everybody to another edition of the CarCast. Tonight, the beginning of a five-game homestand for the Stars after a very successful two-game road trip where they won in Buffalo and Minnesota. Behind the wheel tonight, I'm Owen Newkirk. Riding shotgun is Sean Shapiro, who uh, is manning the questions for the lightning round. If you're listening, we've already recorded, so I'm sorry you can't still send him questions. But we actually have a uh, live studio audience. We do. (laughs) Yep, my dad's in town. He can applaud. We rarely ever have a live audience. So, uh, yes, please keep your questions to the end. (laughs) Whole all applause like a presidential debate, right? Mm -hmm. And then they clap anyway, so why do they even say it? Yes. Um, Tonight, the Stars lost to the Vegas Golden Knights 2-1. And yet, Sean, I'm disappointed but not frustrated. How do you feel about the performance? It's, it's a game for the Stars where you're disappointed in the end result because of how it... You're disappointed in the end result because of how it played out and what could have been. But it was a game where, frankly, they went into this game and I thought they were going to lose. Like It, it, it's it set a, up to yeah. be a very difficult night against a very good team that plays hard with four lines with a lot of pace and transition. And they had four days off between games in a cork in the schedule that the Stars were playing a back-to-back with travel. And it seemed like it set up for a really difficult moment for them to, to win this hockey game. And, and this was, and especially with how it started, 18 seconds in, Vegas scores. This is one of those games where you looked at it and you thought with what happens and how Vegas plays that this was the type of game where you're looking at where, well, Vegas might just step on their throats. And, and you know what? Good teams can do that. But the Stars, because of their defense, their goaltending, their overall structure, their penalty killing, uh, can stay in a lot of games. And they did that tonight. I actually thought it was one of the better second night of a back-to-back efforts I've seen from this team in a while. Obviously, they had that win in Chicago at the end of February where they came off just an absolute dud from the, the Carolina Hurricanes game here at home and really played well. But tonight was different because they didn't have that sudden lift of Zuccarello and Lovejoy in the lineup for the trade deadline. And they weren't playing a team that's defensively liable like the Blackhawks are. And I just thought that, you know what, they put in a a heck of an effort. And it felt, I'm disappointed because I felt like they did enough to deserve more than zero points out of this game. Uh, yeah, at the end. I mean, Vegas was the better team. And I thought that the way the Stars played, I thought there was, they put themselves in a position where they should have been able to at least get a point out of this one. But really where they lost this one was you can't go 0 for 5 on the power play. That was it. It was special teams. They were 0 for 5. The Golden Knights were 0 for 2. Stars penalty kill was excellent. Really, really good. And uh, Vegas has some good, very skilled guys on their power play, just like the Stars do. And neither one really gave them a whole lot of room and time. It was a lot of aggressive 200-foot penalty killing, which really disrupts. But you go back to the beginning, and they gave up a goal on the first shot of the game in the first 18 seconds, and that is a really difficult obstacle to overcome. And it felt like, Sean, that that was the precursor to a tough night, and they actually really responded well to that. Yeah, they did. Ropa Hintz tied it up, I think, a little under four minutes later, right. um, where stole the puck from Derek Englund, who Derek Englund had a really rough night, actually, I thought. He was... He was victimized by a couple, by quite a bit of, by the star speed with the Hintz Sagan line. And he still bombed a few from the point later in the game. Yeah. And hit the post in the second period. Second period? Second period. Question mark? Um, Yeah. He. uh, Maybe it was in the third. I think it was early third period. Yeah, it was to my right, so it was the third period. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, they, 
they played, it wasn't pretty, um, but they played the type of game they really needed to on the second out of a back-to-back. They couldn't, they just couldn't score, which is really what this came down to. And I don't like using the word acceptable loss, but it's, it was a somewhat acceptable loss with how this, with how things played out. And if you were looking at, if you, if you had gone into this week and said, okay, they're going to take two out of three, you would have been pretty happy with it. This is the one you yeah. figure, well, you're tired, you're coming off a road trip, you're playing a very good team. And the one that you really needed to win was the one in Minnesota. They did yeah. that it, emphatically. Yeah. They didn't play a great game against Buffalo, but they got the win. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, if you're right, it's, it's, it comes down to special teams. Plenty of chances. I had it finishing, Sean, at 24 to 21 quality chances. Different category than the high danger. It's, it's all-encompassing of good chances, right? Yeah. It's better than shots on goal. It's not just within a five-foot radius of the net. But the Stars had a flurry at the end of the game where they were behind in chances and caught and passed the Golden yeah. Knights. They had opportunities to get this to overtime. Okay, the two power plays in the last yep. five minutes. Uh, the Taylor Fadoon shot was one of the best looks in the third. It was a great shift by a reconstructed Ben Sagan and Radulov line. They shifted there a bit and really hemmed Vegas in. Radulov finds Fadoon. He rips one and hits the crossbar. I thought he was going to score. Yeah. I really yeah. did. Mm-hmm. And you also have the there was a couple Sagan had a chance on the left late in the game yep. um, there was Fleury made a pretty good save on Klingberg on the oh, one power glove play save. on the glove that save that was really a nice play on the power play um, he stepped right yeah. into the high slot ripped it and Klinger looked Sean as if he thought he had it yeah. when he when he after his reaction after the glove save mm-hmm. and then there was also a chance uh, it wasn't on the power play but there was also even a chance where uh, Cogliano and Como was connected oh, on the I rush too rush. Charging down the, the rush side. Um, yep. So there was there was a lot there was there was a good amount of opportunities. They couldn't finish. Um, and kind of story of their season. Kind of the story of their season and just a couple of things that. But they also defended very well, mm-hmm. and they broke up a bunch of near chances to no shots or rebounds tied up. I thought they defended around their own net very well and got sticks on. Opposition sticks, blocked shots, blocked passes, and they lost. I mean, and, and, and they frustrated the Golden Knights too. They, they did, but they lost the one, and, and, and just with, and with the margin of error being so small in the, in the third period, they, they lost the one battle they needed to win, where Ryan Reeves gets the rebound and ends up scoring the game. Right, and he was a non-factor for two periods. Yeah, and it was, and it would have been nice to not have that. But you know yeah. what? It happens. It, it's they've got to. You've got to, in a game like that. You've got to be able to shake one of those off. And they did it in the first period. They weren't able to do it in the third. Yeah. And, and the other big thing to come out of today, just even even going in before the game, right? Just big, kind of big news early. Big, big news early. So coming out from before the game uh, last night in Minnesota, Ben Bishop sets the franchise record for shutout streak by minutes played, but leaves the game 6:33 into the second period. Um, we met with Jim Montgomery this afternoon before the game, and essentially what happened was Ben Bishop took himself out of the game. Something was lingering from the first period, and Bishop took himself out of the game in Minnesota basically saying I don't want something to turn into a week weeks long injury right and not aggravate it aggravate it worse and uh, so Landon Bow backed up tonight he's a, he's officially listed as day to day um which could mean anything it could mean anything right that's I mean, the, the thing last time like, he was listed as day to day was two weeks so my gut says we're gonna see it I mean now I'm not gonna we'll see but just like with how things like this have played out and what day to day has meant in the past my gut says we'll see Anton Dobin in goal on Sunday against Vancouver. Regardless of if Bishop is the backup or not? Um, 
I don't know. I think it, I think it's one of those where I think if Bishop is, I don't think once Bishop is cleared and ready to go, he plays. That's what I think. It I is. think so. So I think Bo is still the backup. But if on he's Sunday. being precautionary and trying to prevent a long injury, yeah. then he may be a little tight, care careful about when he yeah. returns. Right. So we'll, we'll see what happens. It's one of those things where day to day could mean really anything. Um, the other thing is, I'm sure it's in the back of the organization's mind too. Of last year, he had the, and I believe that him when Hamus fell on him, I believe that injury was worse than what this was. Yes. Um, but he came back, and then he got hurt in his second game. And back. he insisted that he felt great when he came back; that he was not still bothered by that. Yeah. But then re-aggravated on a, re- a wonderful save. In Winnipeg, yeah. It was in Winnipeg, right? Winnipeg, he uh, it was about twelve, uh, eight, about eight minutes into the game, third shot of the game in Winnipeg, yeah. went right to left, glove save. Maybe it's nice, one of his nicest saves of the year, and the season's over. Unfortunately, that was it. A um, couple of things that Monty mentioned that stood out in that press conference before the game was, or it was not a press conference, it was a press scrum, Yeah, is... He mentioned at the beginning of his comments well, that he really, was very smart. And really, the only difference between a scrum and a press conference is... Formality. A formality and right. a so, lack of a backdrop and a... Uh, so I think there a, are several yeah. differences. So yes. in fact, <laughs> it is quite a distinctive. Yes. Anyway, yeah. um, he, meant, he called it smart for being preventative. But then later, when you pressed him on it, he said it was very unselfish yeah. because of the fact that it cost him an opportunity to try to linger in the game for the sake of a, of a personal record, which would have been trying to go for a fourth consecutive shutout, yeah. which he won't get credit for, even though his shutout streak and yes. minutes continue. His minute streak will continue. What is he um, at, about 230? Uh, it's 230 now. 230.53, I believe, is the okay. total, which is the 25th, actually the 25th longest streak in NHL history. And climbing. And climbing. Um, next time he plays, it'll be one of those where... Um, he has another shutout period in theory. The next time he plays, he's going to catch quite a few guys because it's right. Because yeah. there are a lot grouped in that. Yes, yeah, quite a few grouped range. in there. Yeah. So the other part of it was a couple of personnel decisions today. Is Matias Yanmark blocked a shot? Was it late first period? Late, uh, late first period. Came without... back against Minnesota. Came back in the game, but was bothered, and they he gave kind of a, a murky reply, which was he had an X-ray, but they don't have anything definitive yet. Yeah. Which. I'm not a doctor, but x-rays are usually pretty quick. You get it, you look, can you see? And yeah. maybe it's maybe it's we don't see anything on it, but he doesn't feel good and we're just not sure. Well, you know what? It's similar to... Do you remember Connor Carrick's injury? Uh, I was worried you were going to say that. Connor... Well, I didn't do it. No, I, you didn't <laughs> but do yes, it, but, but, but you yes, it up. But Connor Carrick's injury where... He had the X-rays at the time, and then they thought it was going to be day to day, and then he ended up being being a, br- a break that caused him to that really Just derailed like, what, any two, three months. Yeah, that really derailed any chance he had to really succeed in Dallas. And he looked like he was going to be a good fit, and then when he came back, he just never got it. He just never got going. But I don't know if it's that he never got the yeah. opportunity, or he never he had to be ready to go right away, and the stars couldn't. They couldn't. They wait. didn't feel they could give him the time to, to ease his way in. Yeah. Um, the other so uh, Val Nichushkin came in, Cogliano moved up. I thought seamlessly. Yeah. Um, there's some things that Yanmark brings because of his particular skill set and speed that's different than Cogliano, but he fit very well on the line with Fox and Como. We've seen them play before. Yeah, I think Cogliano's faster than Yanmark. Straight line speed, or you mean quickness? He's faster playing hockey. Playing, okay, so the with the puck? Or just the process? I mean, they're both quick in their they're own way. They're both quick, but I think, I mean, I would... 
I uh, think maybe Cogliano's the better penalty defensive forward, but Yanmark's very quick on the back check, yeah, and he's, he's a smart, he, responsible player. Yanmark is a slightly better offensive player, but right. his numbers... He should be but his better, numbers, but his, his finishing numbers, is but down. But it's not like he has done anything offensively that says he has to be in because of that. So Val goes in on the fourth line with Spezza and Richie, and actually had a great scoring chance in the first period. Blocker, on a delayed yeah, penalty. blocker save by... Uh, by Mark Flurry, Andre Flurry. Yeah. And then the other change was that Alexiak came back in for Roman Polak, who got what I think, Sean, was a much-needed uh, game and off. That was a game off that I've gotten the feeling it's been coming for a little bit. Like, he's been really like, powering through some problems. Like, and and I, th- I felt like that was something that, um, once the Lovejoy trade was made, the coaching staff had kind of looked, and they were going to try and find a way, day to get... Uh, Pollock right. a day off at some point. I know. I think that the Stars miss Pollock in the lineup for uh, his leadership. What he, uh, Jamie Ben even said as much as that. He he really does a lot more in the room and says a lot. And they didn't necessarily expect that when they signed him to be that kind of a presence. And he is. But I also think that Lovejoy really stepped up nicely to fill that spot and allowed Alexiak to get some minutes in tonight. And I don't feel as though the Stars were a particular liability because of it. But obviously, a guy like Pollock is hard to replace. Uh, I mean, I don't think Pollock's. I mean, I think I think Pollock brings some brings an emotional level of things. But I think him and Lovejoy are basically comparable player. A little uh, different. A little bit, much more physical. A, a little bit, yeah, maybe stronger. But, but, but Pollock and Lovejoy to me are the same player. I think well, similar it's players, very right. similar player. The difference and, is if you have both of them in the lineup, then you don't have to overtax either one of them. You can kind of if one yeah. goes in the box, you've got the other. You but, want to spell one for the other with the penalty but, kill? Yeah, I just, I, I don't, it's, I don't think, and with how they handle defensemen, I don't think Pollock was really missed that much tonight. Just, no, just, I don't think it had a massive impact, but I do think that having him in is a, is better than when he's not. That's what uh, I'm going with. Well, yeah, better than having. Oh, what do we got here? Oh, we've got what appears to be some flashing lights and cars getting blocked. Yeah. So we're gonna have to yeah. slow down the merge, and let's see tow trucks. So. Yep, it's always fun on the car cast. Looks like uh, we've got an accident, Sean. Yeah, uh, tire blowout there. Smash front ends of a couple cars. So, yeah. yeah. Tough night on the roads as we continue our car cast. But but anyway, so those were the two lineup changes. Yeah, and Alexiak didn't didn't really do much. He'll probably be... He wasn't terrible. He'll be out on on Sunday. The most notable moment he had, and I watched him up, (laughs) was when he got tripped up by the linesman as he was trying to hold the puck. You'd like... I mean, look, I'm sure it was just a balance thing and he caught him off, but you'd like a 6'7", 260-pound guy to take out a linesman not wearing all the padding. But maybe he was trying to avoid and not run into him. Yeah, no, I mean, he'll he'll be out. Pollock will be back in. Oh, there's Fidun, no question. Fidun stays in. Fidun like, was good yeah, again tonight. Fidun was good. Um, like they were... Basically, the defense, there was no issue. Tonight. Remember, Roman Pollock set up the first goal in the game in Minnesota. As he, he was afraid, not afraid to remind that. He was very, he was very vocal about that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think the biggest takeaway from the night is it's a loss and it's... There's never an ex- there's you never want to be accepting there's of a no loss. There's no happy losses here. There's no happy losses, but because of what happened earlier this week, there's not really much of a sting that there could have been. Um, right now, if they had lost to Minnesota or had fumbled a game which they didn't play really well against Buffalo, yeah. I think that the urgency for those extra points would have been more. Hey, you know what I've noticed? This same ramp smells. 
Yeah. Quick side note. We hit this thing the last podcast. Like, there's a bit of swamp right there. Well, it smells like swamp. Yeah. I'm not blaming anybody in the car. Not Definitely not the live studio audience, but <laughs> it is one of those where we commented the other night. It is pungent, offensive, yes. and uh, here we are yet again. So I think that's the smell signal that it's time for the lightning round. I, I think so. Oh, yeah. get it out of the yeah. car. So... Let's go to the lightning round, and we had someone send us a question earlier before we even called for questions, and I made sure at the time to I saw like, you liked it. like the tweet, so I would it be easy to find, so we'll go to that one first. All right, jump at it, Sean. From Justin Daniel, how bad is Spez's lack of production this season hurting the Stars? He's minus 10 and has 7.5 million against the cap. Just, cur- cur- just curious if y'all think it's as bad as I do. Thanks for taking my questions. I have multiple parts to this answer. Yes. All right. So step one is, for much of this year, it really hurt the stars because of the amount of funds you've committed to him and what you need from him, which is a top six role, second line center, to have power play guy, to, to have the kind of offensive numbers that he has is hurting the team, especially a team that has been, for much of this year, hurt in twofold, scoring goals and depth scoring. Lately... The emergence of the rookies, Rope Hens and Joel Lesperance, have significantly dampened the negative impact of Spetz's lack of production. And so at the moment, Sean, it doesn't hurt the team nearly as much. They, the team is where they're at. It, if he's on the fourth line and giving you power play time, fine. But the one caveat is, is that if you were, and this is where we all compare again is if you could take seven and a half million dollars and flip it to somebody else mark stone at eight at nine now but you know i mean one Vegas of those has only lost one game since trading for mark stone. right i mean if you could add a player of today's seven and a half million dollar value you're probably better off for it now obviously when you get zuccarello back from injury that's going to help it's but, not, it, so here, here's but the thing yes there is a still a, a, yes. a void there here's the thing with spazzle um but he does still do some things well. You knew the seven point five wasn't going to look good this year. That's something. But that's that. That's, this was at the beginning of the, the contract. You the, knew that. You knew that from the beginning. And contracts are front loaded. But uh, did they think that he was going to go from thirty plus goals to single digits as quickly? Probably not. Probably not. But They're probably it's, hoping it's, fifteen it's still, to twenty. You, you right? know the you know the end of the contract's not going to look good. You know that. Basically, what it is is it's the combination of when you make bets like this, and when you make bets like Martin Hansel, and when you put the, when you when you when you're when you're putting all that money, it's not the Spezza dollars alone that really hit the stars. I could no, it's live the whole combination. I could live with Jason Spezza making seven point five and doing this. I because if you because, have because, because I deal. saw because you paid for Jason Spezza and you and your Jason Spezza money originally is what you were paying for early on in his first couple years in Dallas. Right, when they and, were a very good team yes, with him. And that's and that's fine. So it does it hurt the team? Yes. What really is it's part of a larger problem of investment in a lot of money that you really didn't get to use much of this year because of guys who either didn't produce or were hurt and then you just take a look at that whole fourth line where you got 12 million, 13 million dollars combined where they've got 14 13 combined goals? Well, it's two of them. <laughs> it's not the third what, one. What, Richie has how many now? Uh, it's Four? Been, I, it's been a while since he scored. It's like 12 combined goals. It's like 12. I, either way, Ryan Reeves has more goals than Jason Spezza this year. Yeah, and that's frustrating, isn't yes, it? That is and, frustrating. And a fewer, much smaller I mean, dollar amount. As I said to someone else in the press box tonight, there, were, there was a point in the few, in the past where Ryan Reeves and Jason Spezza being on the ice at the same time, you would have been giddy about it if you were the Right, the you think it's a major Spezza. offensive mismatch. And now it's not. 
Yeah, that's tough. And I mean, look, Jason Spezza's had a great career, 1,000 games. He's been a premier player for his team for a long, long time. He still loves the game, and he wants to try to, to stretch it out as long as you can. I can't fault him for that. Any player has the right to try to go as long as they feel they are willing to put the work in. Mm-hmm. It's just that he's at a different stage of his career than when he played, played a predominant of it, which was as an impact top line or top six kind of guy. Yes. All right. From Andrew, why does it seem like the boys score less often when Dobby's in net? It's that not, is a curious issue, isn't it, it? It is, it is, and it's something where I hope to... I well, hope, you had an interesting tweet after the game that I think you should yeah. share with everybody. So, Anton Udovin has 14 starts this season where he's let up two goals or less. His record in those games is 7-5-2. and two. Which is criminal. Yes. Right? Your backup goalie is giving you two goals or fewer, and you can't... Find a way to win more than fifty percent of those. Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah, and he's over now. There. Look, maybe there's a couple in there where it's you're down two to one and end up giving up an empty netter or something like that. But that just shows the lack of run support, yeah, offensive finishing, and that's more of an indictment, Sean. I think to the team as a whole because if you look at Ben Bishop's numbers, his win loss isn't bad, mm-hmm. but given the save percentage and his goals against this year. It should be better. It should be, and that's more of on I, the team there, than it is. I, on the I have a couple of theories that I and, I'm, and I want to I want to label these as theories because I don't have the data and I don't know hypotheses. One, I have, yeah, a couple of theories that I'm trying to actually I've been going down a wormhole, and when I go down a wormhole, it sometimes gets scary. But um, I think <laughs> see I see the icing article. Uh, the yeah, um, <laughs> I think the other thing, and no one on the team will ever mention it because no one's ever going to. Because they they think it means they have to speak poorly of Hudobin, and they don't. But with I am curious of how much Bishop's puck handling actually helps. Not not reducing shots. I'm not talking about reducing shots. I wonder how much. But it does are, are, directly. But how much it helps getting? Are there two to three extra more chances a game going the other way? Right, or just because simply, of Bishop. If Bishop's puck handling is as good as we and always I, talk I, about it, is how much? And I don't know. Resu- reduce zone time defensively, meaning fewer yeah. shot attempts and fewer chances and against because you're simply breaking the puck yeah. out quicker. And it makes an impact, especially against heavily forechecking teams. Yeah. And I just feel like when Bishop's in net, and I don't have a way to quantify it yet, but I think... If you know what would be did, interesting, Sean? Next year when they have the players yes, tracking, exactly. you will be able to put more numbers yeah. to that, won't you? Yeah, exactly. Because you can look at the team's t- zone time when whoever's in the net or whoever's playing... Yeah. And really, and that, I mean, there are a lot of possibilities yeah. with that. Yeah, and, and it's less about the pure shot number totals. It's the amount of time I think the Stars spend in their own zone when Bishop's in net versus when Hudobin's in net, which it just becomes an economics of time where you're spending more time trying to get out, spending more time scrambling. And I think that just kind of, whether it's actually Bishop's puck handling, whether it's a mentality thing, whatever it is, I just think that's kind of what it comes down to. And I don't know how to best quantify that, but that's... That's my theory. Right. Let's go to the next one. All right. The hold on. Make sure I'm on Twitter here. The we got some. Someone asked a similar question. By the way, on a side note, we have an aggressive pickup truck that didn't want to yield the no, lane. No, they did so not. We're gonna to not end up on the side of the road in a much <laughs> more difficult. We're gonna let Mister Ivan Ahuri go first. Yes. 
Um, someone smart on this one. Uh, Gallup, Augustus, and Dr. Dash basically asked the same question Dr. about Hudobin um, and the goal support. So we'll move on to Alex. Uh, spoiler, not a question. I really, really want the Stars to finish third in the division as opposed to the wild card spot because we more than likely would play the Preds. Give me Bishop. Give me Bishop versus Hudobin. Bishop slash Hudobin over Rini Saros any day. Um, personally, I, I know that's just a comment, but I actually. I think Dallas-Nashville will be a fun first-round series. Be a great series. And, of course, the organizers of the NHL Winter Classic next year would love for them to be in the playoffs, whether it be in the first or second round. doesn't matter yeah. because it sets up a history which they can then market next year at the Cotton Bowl. Speaking of which, there will be a press conference on Wednesday at the Cotton Bowl about the Winter Classic. No jerseys will not be unveiled But big, big wigs, big NHL wigs. Uh, Players Association and League uh, Commissioner Gary mm-hmm. Bettman will be yep. there. Um, both GMs, yep. players from the Stars, I think, are going to make appearances. So, yeah. Yeah. So, Log- so, from Logan Stark, can you guys talk about how this March and Bishop's preventative absence is different from the debacle of last March? My hockey senses are tingling and telling me fans need some reminders to breathe and not panic. Basically, I don't think this injury is as bad as last year. We don't no, know for but sure. I think he's handling his injuries this year more cautiously yeah. than last year because of last year. Yes. Don't you and agree? The other thing, too, um, there's two factors that come into play in this. Um, I think Hudobin is better suited to handle handle the absence than Lettinen was last year. Um, from both physical and more importantly from a mental yeah. standpoint he just seems unflappable yep and the other and the other thing about it too that just I think will come into play if just if this if this injury lingers if it does there's one thing the stars I think will need to do that Ken Hitchcock was not willing to do last year with Kari Lennon Ken Hitchcock drove Kari Lennon into the ground last year and refused to, to play Mike McKenna. And I'm yeah. not saying Mike McKenna would have been the savior that would have rolled out and won two games. By not willing to give him a break and not willing to give him a day off to, from a game. He also told Kari that he couldn't make any mistakes. Yes. So which I is think tough to put if, on a goalie and, and now, something that this coaching staff will have to do, if Bishop's injury lingers, at some point... If just well, that's say, an interesting just, comment. Just, no, so so I if like, you, so if, if he if his bishop if his injury lingers, this coaching staff will have to weigh the value of playing Landon Boa game. Okay, to so give let's look at the schedule because that was actually a question that somebody asked us yeah. on our post game show on the radio tonight. When you look at the schedule, it sets mm-hmm. up well for the next week or so yeah. of Hudobin because it's every other game yeah. and it's at home for the next four. Yeah. So it's not as though they have to scramble and make a decision quickly. Yep. Hudobin can play every other night for four games over the course of this homestand. However, if for some reason we don't know if it's going to linger that long, the Ben Bishop injury. Yeah, we don't know. But, but this, if it gets to the Canadian just road trip, you have this, a yeah. back-to-back in Calgary and Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of travel there. And Hudobin's shown that he can do it, but it would be like his sixth and seventh straight starts. Yeah. And if you do that, or actually it could be 7th and 8th if he plays all the games, do you want to run him into the ground? He hasn't been overplayed this year, Sean. So he, he hasn't been. No, he, he hasn't has been, the but... physical capability to do this. Yeah. But if it gets to that point, there is a possibility that you might see a Landon Bow start. Just be, I'll tell you one thing. If the star, And this is more important about the playoff picture than it is about who plays in goal. If the Stars can win three of the next four at home 
it puts a ton of pressure on the teams that are on the outside of the Western mm-hmm. Conference playoffs. Regardless of being third or first or second wild card, your step one is make the playoffs. Yeah. And the Stars are in a position now, if they win three or four at home, they can be a little bit more cautious with Hudobin on the road trip without being worried about giving away points in a do-or-die kind of game. Yeah. The Okay, we've got... Next from Bryce, worst childhood injury. For me? For us, I guess. Okay. Um, hmm. My worst injury as a child, I was pretty lucky. It was more as a college We actually have, we actually have a point of reference. We do. <laughs> um, I, I guess, what would you define child? I mean, does it have to be pre-high school, pre-college? I think so. I think my pre-co- my I think worst pre-co- injury before I graduated college was is I, I broke my big toe my senior year of college when a weight fell off the squat rack and landed on my Ooh. big left big toe and smashed it into about seven different pieces. See, I, 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 that was a very painful moment, and it was also at a poor time because it made me miss six weeks of my senior year of soccer in college. So that was really frustrating. I, I have two dumb ones, and they're both. And they're both. <laughs> that one was dumb for me yeah. because it was me pulling weights off the rack, and, and I, I didn't see one I, in it. And I was a kid. And I, I don't remember how old I was, but so the first one. I'm not sure which one happened first, actually, but okay. I had stitches twice as a kid: once on my forehead, and once on my chin. Okay. When I was in the one on the my chin happened, we were literally walking into an ice cream shop in North Carolina, and I tripped and hit my chin on one of the. Uh, one of the things that stops the car from roll the, the the parking spot. You mean like the parking ties? The, 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 yeah, the parking. Uh, like the big. The concrete parking yeah, ties. The barriers. Yeah, the barriers. Yeah. Like the railroad ties. Yeah, the but one. They're made of concrete now. Yeah, they're yeah. made of concrete. And I hit my chin on, on that. On that? Yeah. Ooh. And for that, and then. Have that removed. Yes. <laughs> and I hit my chin on that, and then so whenever I saw those growing up in life, my mother would call them stitches makers. Wow, that's harsh. Um, as a reminder um the other one was on my forehead um my sister and i were playing football in our house upstairs and there was not nearly enough space for this and we were practicing diving catches of course and there was a diving catch as as one as i dove out to make a catch someone opened the door and dove headfirst into the door (laughs) that explains an awful lot (laughs) i was fortunate enough not to be quite so uh irresponsible to play uh, you know fun childhood games like hey catch this brick or how hard how high can i jump with no landing um but i think the one there was no bricks involved yeah no i didn't do anything really ridiculous but i had a nosebleed once when i was in middle school maybe i I don't remember how old i was but um it bled for a couple hours like it wouldn't stop and it started i started getting clots coming out of my nose and i don't know it wasn't like i stuck my finger up there and it started to bleed i just it was. It, I didn't get a lot of them as a kid. It just kind of happened, and it bled and bled for several hours. So I ended up going to the emergency room, and I ended up getting it packed, the one nostril, to get it to stop. And if you ever, ever want to know how much cloth you can fit up a nostril, oh. the answer is a lot. About That's... six feet of cloth was crammed up my nostril and taped over for like a day or that two. That just sounds horrible. And... It might have been in the in the early to mid '90s, so maybe I was in junior high because I think we made a Bill Clinton nose joke about how I felt. So yeah, that was that was an injury that I, I didn't really hurt myself, but yeah. it came on, it, and it was a one off. I didn't have chronic nosebleeds at all. Yeah. So anyway, way too much about yeah. my yeah. My past well, on that right. one. So let's go from that to food. Best burger in Dallas. I have 
haven't had a lot of burgers in Dallas, and I haven't even been to this place, but I trust Jason Rademan on food recommendations, mm -hmm. uh, sight unseen, right? Mm -hmm. If he says some place is worth eating, you go. Mm -hmm. He claims that Maple and Motor is the best burger. Where is it? Well, it's on the corner of Maple and Motor. So <laughs> the name is the location. I haven't been yet, but he swears by it. So I'm going to go with that. Yeah. Um, I haven't been to, I don't have any good like niche places or anything like that. Um, I know. Let's not start the Whataburger in and out debate. No, no, I don't know. I'm not going to that. But like no. there's a, I've been there in Austin. I know they have in Dallas is I've always enjoyed Hop Dottie burgers. I never went there, but I hey. did go to the place in, uh, on old 183 in Cedar Park, or maybe it's North Austin. Uh, called Mooney's. Yep. That was a great burger was place. A good burger. It had sort of that little sweet Hawaiian roll taste to the yeah. bun. That was a nice touch. Uh, always felt about nine pounds heavy, <laughs> heavier after yeah. that though. But yeah, I'd like to go to Maple Motor because I've heard really great things about that. So I'm going to stick with, with Stretch on that one. Last one we've got is uh, from Robert Tiffin. Am I allowed to make a citizen's arrest on Stars fans who say mean things to John Klingberg at American Airlines Center? To him or at to, him? It says say mean things to him. So that would suggest like to his face where he could actually hear it. I guess so, yes. Well, on one instance, I'm pleased that you want to stand up for you know one of your players. On this other token... Uh, it depends on what mean things means. Uh, hopefully it's not in the realm of what we saw in Utah earlier this week because that's really going over the line in a really inex... Uh, uh, not just unexpected, but a really horrible way. And you can't... It's not defendable at all. But I'm guessing he's not saying that. Yes. It's probably not of the racist variety. It's probably so. more of the John Klingberg isn't very good at hockey and he should <laughs> play forward. Yeah, well, that's... Uh, <laughs> funny because you hear it a lot but no i mean i think the citizens arrests card maybe requires a little bit more than that but i like you standing up for your guy how would one citizens arrest someone at a hockey game well you can just claim i'm doing this but then here's the hard part you have to be willing to do two things one physically subdue somebody who's probably not going to be willingly uh, turning themselves over, submitting to a citizen's arrest, most likely not, to navigate this in front of the eyes of, of uh, American Airlines Center security and ushers who may not also like that interaction and try to take over the situation because there are Dallas police stationed at the game. Speaking of which, I saw, be difficult. I saw someone get thrown out in the section right in front of the press box. Tonight. Did you? Yeah. For Did you see why? Language. wonder why. It Just... Was uh, severe profanity, or uh, this is a person who is I've seen at Stars games before, and okay. is a very boisterous vocal fan, and they're inebriated fan, possibly. Gonna, but, are you going to throw that on there or not? I, I I don't have proof of that. Okay. Yeah. But they're always very every game. They're very they're very uh, curt with their language, mm. and the person two rows in front of them was there with a kid who was probably seven or eight complained to the usher, said, hey, this person keeps using this language, and the usher apparently came up and talked to them once, and then it happened again, and we even saw, and then it led to usher escorting the person out, and the person yelling, uh, yelling obscenities at this person who mm. reported them, and they were out. So, yeah, fan code of conduct is important. You know what? We're all here for, to be entertained. Let's, you know try to behave like adults you can have fun you can yell you can even hurl insults 
at the players on the ice, but maybe remember that you're setting examples for people around you. And you know, you know, the most creative insults don't require curse words. No, not at all. In fact, uh, one of my favorite authors, the late Kurt Vonnegut, actually says, uh, wrote as much and said that he rarely curses because profanity allows the recipient or the person you're speaking at to ignore what you're saying. He also said something to the effect of, and I'm really botching this, but that instead of cursing, it's the thought I have when it's really hot and the air conditioning goes out, which in Texas everybody mm-hmm. can appreciate. Yeah. Because I, 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 one of the one of the players I remember, who you and I both knew was who was actually had a creative way of getting under guys' skin was Brendan Ranford. Hmm. And I remember because he was someone who knew, and this was in the AHL. <laughs> he, in the sal- he did his homework. He did his homework, and he knew the salary for every single player on the other team's right, roster. What they the were age, making. What they were making, and he would, and he would basically talk. To, he would be, when when. When chirping a guy, he would say he's like he would compare his salary to his line mates. He would he would talk he would he would talk about how much he was worth and and point out how much money it, it was. It's creative. It's very creative. Yeah, it's it's uh, and mind it makes, games. And it makes you think. I would think that if you were getting under the skin, I mean, my reaction on a lot of those would probably make me laugh. Yeah. If a guy said, "Hey, you know, your right wing is making three times less than you, and you know he's hogging the puck. Yeah. You deserve better, or something." Yeah. It would probably, or vice versa. Hey, mm-hmm. this guy's making more. You should probably pass it to him. I would laugh. Yeah. But then again, I'm a vocal guy. Imagine that. You've seen me play. I talk a lot. I'm loud. But it's good. Communication's important. So uh, that's fun. Yeah. I, I was always I was never a big trash talker. I was always of the uh, I was always of no, the. You just do the background story. I, of I was part. I was always the conversationalist. And Sean, then, when we were playing pickup soccer, not pickup soccer, sorry, uh, co-ed soccer in Austin, would actually start interviewing the other team's left back because, and then he would start reporting it. Hey, you know this guy? Well, he he plays the cello on odd Thursdays down in the park, and I like. We're trying to win a soccer game. He's no, no, no. I got, I'm fine. I got this. And then you'd learn of everything about their other team. Force of habit. You were interviewing. But then you, you learned things about their other team, and then you'd learn like you, hey, the center back occasionally, occasionally he goes by Chuck, and so he might have the ball, and I'd yell, "Hey, Chuck, I'm open," and I got the ball a couple times. Like, <laughs> oh, the difference between when the sun was still up and the sun went down in the summer was all the difference, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, it was. That was. Oh. Excruciatingly hot when it was still sun up in the summer in Austin yes. playing soccer. Canucks on Sunday, a game that it's going to be played with a a shroud over it mm-hmm. because of the lack of Antoine Roussel, who everybody in Dallas was looking forward to paying Speaking tribute of to. Trash talking. Uh, one of the greats, yeah. although a lot of people say that you can't understand what half of what he's saying because yes. he speaks so quickly and obviously with a heavy French accent. But uh, really disappointing that he's out for the year. He suffered a knee injury on Tuesday. Will not play. Obviously, he's out for the year. Mm-hmm. But I think is the only visit by the Canucks to Dallas this year. There are a lot of fans because he moved to Vancouver as a free agent in the off season that wanted to pay tribute to an appreciation of his time in Dallas, mm-hmm. and he won't get that this year. Hopefully, next year he signed a four year deal. Yep. So, but disappointing because you know Stars want to focus on winning the beating the Canucks, who have really fallen off the table yeah. lately. But you know, you always like to support your own, your former, the Stars' former guys. And in Vancouver, another one too. Um, it's the only chance, only only game. Uh, Elias Pettersson yep. comes to Dallas, and 
He is. It's fun, and this is not probably not going to see Quinn Hughes either. Yeah, because he's he's day to day with an injury yeah. after just signing out of yeah. what uh, out of Michigan. What's Pedersen's status now? Is he? I'm not sure either. Yeah, we're gonna have to do some homework tomorrow on the day it's, off. It's 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 a bummer if he doesn't play because he is. As I actually saw Vancouver play twice in person. Yes, because I went. Stars had a day off there in Vancouver. You saw them year. play before they yeah. played them. I actually right. saw them play Vegas. I actually speaking. Oh, yes. of, I saw them play Vegas. I saw them play Dallas. And you'll see them play one more time uh, in the road trip. In right? the road trip, yeah. Um, and one of your favorite stops on the circuit. Vancouver is uh, for the, food. The, for is the that food, what it was? for the food, yeah, the food and the run. The food, the is run, re- the running trail there. Yeah, the food is yeah. the, along the water. Yeah, the food so is I'm great. Told. And uh, next trip, I'm planning on maybe doing the seaplane. Ooh, the, the yeah. scenic tour? Yeah. That might be nice. Plan on doing that. It would have been fun to be in Vancouver back when they had the Winter Olympics. Yeah. That looked particularly uh, picturesque. The one, the one knock on Vancouver is there's no ride share. None. None. It's the only, no Uber, no Lyft. It's the only NHL city with no ride share. It's why it's, Boston's I, still like that, isn't it? No, they haven't. Now. Oh, they do? They do have it now. For a while, they for a while, were very they, anti-Uber. For a while, they didn't have it. Um, it's that's why it's ironic that the uh, Canucks have an Uber has a have a Lyft ad on the ice. Oh, that is odd, isn't it? Yeah, but there's no Uber or Lyft. What are they What are they advertising for? If you leave Vancouver, use Lyft. Basically, I think it's it's kind of a subtle way of the Canucks showing because the Canucks owner keeps pushing for them to. Get ah, them. yes, probably has a maybe and, a stake in it. Possibly, I wouldn't be surprised. So, well, uh, Vancouver's a the food is the food is really good. Um, also. It's right by the water. It's pretty scenic. It's beautiful. I have flown into Vancouver before. We were played Abbotsford in the AHL. That was always fun. There, Seattle and Vancouver. I can't wait for Seattle to join the league because it's going to be an instant, awesome, short distance rivalry. Mm-hmm. Two beautiful West uh, Pacific Northwest cities. Should be a lot of fun. And I'm, you know, another part of that long Western Canadian circuit. Yep. Or and U- Northwest U.S. One, All right. one last expansion note to end, just to end this, just because, just to connect this back to tonight's game. You think Cody Eakin likes returning to? I feel like Cody Eakin always plays with an edge when he comes back to Dallas. I think it's hard not to. Yeah. I think you're always fired up to play well. Um, the thing is, is that you can go back to that, and maybe we shouldn't because it's late and we've done enough. <laughs> but if the Stars had, could go back and change who they protected, mm-hmm. they probably would. Yes, they probably would. And would Vegas have taken? Val Nichushkin if the Stars had decided to replace him with Cody Eakin. Or would the Stars have protected, not protected Antoine Roussel? Right. They might have still protected yeah, yeah, Val, but yeah, yeah, Mike, yeah, yeah. the thought now is, as they know now, mm-hmm. would they have let Val be unprotected? Would Vegas have taken them? And... I feel like Vegas would have taken Val. I, I feel like they would have. Not... not they, be, chose, it, it, they chose to protect Johns. Yes. And they were either going to take Johns or Eakin, right, if they thought they had that opp- opportunity. Was that what they were saying? Well, they, they thought they were either going to take Johns or Eakin, but really it didn't come down to protecting Johns. Right. It came down to protecting, was it going to be... Was it Eakin or Roussel? Was it going to be Eakin or, or, or Roussel or Val? And, right. And, well, it was, all, it was always... For Dallas, it was always going to protect Val. For people that are curious about this as well, if they had kept Cody Eakin, would the Stars then have acquired Martin Hansel in free Prob- agency? Probably not. And then how would that have affected yes. things when Ken Hitchcock was the head coach? How would it have... I mean, it's just... A, it, it, it's a whole butterfly effect that we won't be able to play out. Mm-hmm. But it's an, it's it's yeah. fun mental exercise. But I saw actually saw Cody when I walked into the rink today. Good guy. Oh, one, yeah, one, of, one, of, one of those guys who I think I, I, I think he does. I think I think you relish it a little bit though. It's it's hard oh, not yeah. to. You come back to the place that let you go, and he was fired up to play. Remember, he was traded away. In the Mike Ribeiro trade from the Capitals, yep, 
And so playing, you only play Washington twice a year. He was fired up to do that too and yeah. play against them. So, yeah, I think in moments when you're a competitive athlete and you're always looking for the little edges to get you up, there's no doubt that that's going to be the case in Dallas. A lot of fans, Cody, you can still hear though. Yep. And, All right. Uh, I lament that my only chance to cover Mark Stone is when he comes to visit Dallas now. I know. You were pushing can, hard for him. I can't. Him. He is now... Uh, for, I, I can no longer push to trade for Mark Stone because he has a no-move clause for eight more years. And a big contract and a big part of that team. And, boy, they added Stone and Pacioretty, and it really balances their team out. They have – they have. look, I thought the Stars handled them well. You know what surprised me tonight was how good of a defensive player Riley Smith looked. He made some really good plays in his own zone, mm-hmm. not just the offensive side. Uh, obviously, I'm not going back and taking him out of the Tyler Sagan trade. That worked out well <laughs> yeah, for yeah. the Stars. But – He's a good player. Mm-hmm. He's a very good. He's a, he's a two hundred foot guy. He's not just a guy that has offensive skills. So I, I like him and what he does. I have a Val Nichushkin fun fact. Oh, of course. Um, with uh, there was a player. Oh yes, I know where you're going. Yes. This now. There, I believe there was. An, I would double check it. Um, but there was another player who scored tonight who hadn't scored since November eleventh of two thousand sixteen. Is that right? Yes. Are we getting one player closer? So we're one player closer. Wow. The uh, since Val last scored an NHL goal, and tonight was his fiftieth game of the season, which was three years ago. Yeah. Since three Val seasons ago, right? Since Val last scored an NHL goal, nine hundred and ninety-seven NHL players have scored a goal. Man, they're getting close to the that. Thousand. Is we're getting close to a thousand now, NHL players with a goal. To be fair, he missed two years playing in the KHL. It's still a th- almost a thousand players. Though. Right, I understand, <laughs> and it's a fun number. But he, the worst thing is that he's gone fifty games. Yes. From the start of and, the year without a goal and, or a penalty. And let me explain that fact. What, what I mean by that is if you take a look at any, if a player has scored one goal or have scored 200 goals. Right, so if 997 players have yes. scored a goal from the time he last scored to now. Yes, like for example, Joel Esperance became 996 last night. With his first NHL yes. goal, right. And so everybody else that's in the league that has, you know, Sagan numbers or Ovechkin numbers, they count as one. Yes. Boy, that is something else. There's there's all these fun facts we keep finding. And we could keep going, but then it would be even closer to Sunday. <laughs> so let's just pause there and say thank you for listening to another edition of the CarCast. As the playoff race gets ever closer, we are having fun.